0: Hey there, Sam. No matter what the day brings, we're right here with you, ready to dive into today's top stories.
1: And speaking of today, let's get your Sunday started with the news you need to know. Argentina is seeing a cautious wave of optimism as its new libertarian leader, Javier Millet, takes bold steps to tackle the country's economic crisis. His austerity measures have caught investors' eyes, boosting bond prices and lowering the risk index.
0: But not everyone's on board. Rising poverty rates and escalating protests highlight the hurdles ahead for Malay's administration. While Argentina's economic indicators show signs of improvement, its history of defaults casts a long shadow over its debt's future. I be... I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Welcome to the Daily Dispatch from Pocket Pod News.
1: Over at NPR, Scott Simon had a fascinating conversation with Stephen Walt from Harvard University about a hot topic in American politics, to engage abroad
0: or to stay neutral. This debate isn't new, but remains highly relevant. Walt offers insights into what these choices mean for U.S. foreign policy and why it's a discussion worth having now more than ever.
1: And in the tech world... Biju Ravindran is holding his ground as CEO amid rumors of his ouster by shareholders over governance issues and financial mismanagement at Baiju's.
0: Despite challenges including a rights issue aimed at raising $200 million amidst financial struggles, Ravindran dismisses claims by some shareholders as misinformation. It's a high-stakes drama playing out in one of the world's leading edtech firms.
2: This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to pocketpod.app
0: to join the wait list.
1: Argentina's economic landscape is undergoing a significant transformation under its new leader.
0: Libertarian President Javier Millet, who took office in December, has introduced austerity measures that have sparked a mixture of optimism among investors and concern among the country's regional governors and unions. PocketPod
1: News national political correspondent Ron Stevens is with us to delve into the complexities of Argentina's current situation. Ron, Millet's policies have led to Argentina posting its first monthly fiscal surplus in over a decade. What can you tell us about the reactions to these measures and their impact on the economy?
3: Absolutely, Jonathan. President Javier Millé's implementation of stringent austerity measures has been a significant turning point for Argentina's economy. By slashing government spending and purchasing over $5 billion in dollars to replenish the nation's reserves, Millé has signaled a strong commitment to economic stabilization. The result was Argentina posting its first monthly fiscal surplus in over a decade this past January. This is a monumental achievement, considering the country's long history of financial struggles.
1: And how have these measures affected investor confidence and the market?
3: Investor sentiment has seen a notable improvement following the adoption of Mille's austerity policies. Some Argentine bonds have surged to four-year highs, and we've witnessed the country's risk index drop to its lowest point since 2022, This rally in bond prices and the shrinking risk index are direct responses to growing optimism around Millet's economic reforms, indicating that investors are betting on Argentina's path towards financial recovery.
1: It sounds like there's positive momentum on the financial front, but what about the societal impact? Are there any concerns?
3: Yes, Jonathan, there are significant concerns on the ground. While investors may be cheering, Millet's policies have incited protests and opposition from regional governors and unions. The austerity measures have been linked with increasing poverty rates, with studies suggesting that poverty could be approaching 60 percent amid these spending cuts. This highlights a critical tension between short-term economic stabilization efforts and their long-term societal impacts.
1: That's concerning indeed. Could you elaborate on the government's currency control measures?
3: Certainly. In an effort to support the Argentine peso, the government has aggressively mopped up excess pesos through short-term treasury bills and other financial instruments. These steps aim to narrow the gap between official exchange rates and those on the parallel market. Additionally, futures markets for pesos are showing lower expectations of devaluation than before. These measures are part of a broader strategy to strengthen Argentina's currency and stabilize its economy.
1: And finally, what about Argentina's debt situation and negotiations with international bodies like the IMF.
3: Despite recent positive developments, Argentina's debt remains a high-risk area due to its history of defaults. Currently, President Millet's administration is engaged in crucial talks with the International Monetary Fund over a $1.44 billion loan program. Interestingly enough, reports suggest that Argentina is pushing for even tougher financial conditions than those proposed by the IMF to further improve state finances, a bold move that underscores Millet's determination to address economic challenges head on.
1: Ron Stevens from PocketPod News National Political Correspondent Team gives us an insightful look into President Javier Millet's tough yet potentially transformative economic policies in Argentina, balancing short-term gains against long-term societal challenges while navigating complex international negotiations. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me, Jonathan.
1: debate on America's role in global affairs is heating up again.
0: Right. And it's a complex issue with voices from all over the political spectrum weighing in on whether the U.S. should take a more active role internationally or pull back and focus inward.
1: To help us navigate these waters, we're joined by PocketPod News World Affairs correspondent Rose Fletcher. Rose, what can you tell us about the varying opinions on this and how it's playing out in American politics?
4: Well, Jonathan, the debate over whether the United States should actively engage in international affairs or adopt a more isolationist stance is one that's long been at the heart of American politics. But it has certainly become more pronounced in recent years. The discussion between NPR's Scott Simon and Stephen Walt, a renowned foreign policy expert from Harvard University, really brings to light the complexities of this issue. Can you break down the main points of their discussion for us? Absolutely. At its core, their conversation revolved around the contentious debate within American political circles about the country's role on the global stage. On one hand, there's a strong argument for active engagement abroad, which proponents believe is crucial for maintaining global stability and advancing U.S. interests. On the other hand, there's a growing call for adopting a more isolationist approach, suggesting that staying out of foreign conflicts might be better for America in the long run.
1: Interesting. How does Stephen Walt weigh in on these perspectives?
4: Stephen Walt offers insightful analysis into both sides of this debate. He acknowledges that active engagement abroad has historically helped shape international norms and institutions that have been beneficial to global order and US interests. However, he also points out that such interventions have often come with high costs, not just financially, but also in terms of human lives and political capital. Walt suggests that a non-interventionist stance might help avoid these costs, but could lead to missed opportunities to influence global affairs positively.
1: It sounds like there are no easy answers here. How is this debate affecting American politics?
4: It's having a significant impact indeed, Jonathan. This ongoing debate is shaping policy decisions and party ideologies within the US, as well as influencing public opinion on what America's role in the world should be. The divide isn't strictly along party lines ether. We're seeing factions within both major parties advocating for different approaches to foreign policy. This reflects broader revaluations of America's role in global politics amid shifting international landscapes and internal debates about national identity and priorities.
1: With such complex considerations at play, what can we draw from this conversation between Scott Simon and Stephen Walt?
4: Their conversation underscores an essential truth. Navigating foreign policy is inherently complicated because it involves balancing domestic interests with international responsibilities. As highlighted by Walt's analysis, decisions about engaging abroad or maintaining an isolationist stance are influenced by historical precedents, practical considerations and ideological beliefs about America's place in the world. This debate isn't just academic. It has real implications for how America interacts with other nations and addresses global challenges.
1: That was PocketPod News World Affairs correspondent Rose Fletcher. Thanks for joining us today.
4: Thank you for having me, Jonathan. It was my pleasure to delve into such an important topic with you.
1: The world of edtech is facing a significant shakeup right in the heart of Bengaluru, India.
0: That's right. Baiju's, a leading edtech startup, is in the midst of a dramatic internal conflict. Its founder and CEO, Baiju Raviendran, is fighting against an attempt by some shareholders to oust him over governance and financial issues.
1: And despite the turmoil, Raviendran is pushing back hard. He sent out a letter to employees refuting claims of his ousting, launched a rights issue aiming to raise about $200 million, and even questioned the validity of the shareholder meeting that sought his removal.
0: It's a complex situation involving accusations of financial mismanagement, procedural discrepancies at shareholder meetings, and battles over public perception.
1: To help us navigate through this saga and understand its implications for Baiju's future and the broader EdTech landscape, we're joined by PocketPod News business and finance correspondent Scott Dwyer.
2: Scott has been closely following these developments. Scott, where do we even begin with this? Well, Jonathan, it's a tangled web at Baiju's starting with the company's founder and CEO, Baiju Ravindran. Following an emergency general meeting where shareholders voted for his removal, Ravindran sent a letter to employees on Saturday. In it, he refuted claims of his ousting as exaggerated and highlighted concerns over the legitimacy of the shareholder meeting. He argued that the meeting lacked procedural validity, including not meeting the minimum quorum. It sounds like Ravendron is standing his ground. Can you tell us more about the shareholder group's stance? Absolutely. The shareholder group in question includes heavyweights like Process Ventures and Peak 15 Ventures. And they voted unanimously at Friday's emergency general meeting for resolutions addressing governance issues and proposing leadership changes at Baiju's. This move underscores deep concerns among investors regarding financial mismanagement and compliance within the company, signaling a significant rift between Raviendran and some of Baiju's major backers. And what about Raviendran's concerns over the meeting procedures? Does he have a point? He might have one, Jonathan. Ravindran claimed that only 35 of Baiju's 170 shareholders attended this extraordinary general meeting, representing about 45% ownership. This raises questions about whether proper legal procedures were followed, and if there was indeed enough quorum to make any decisions binding. It's a critical point that could affect how these proceedings are viewed legally and ethically.
1: Amidst all this internal discord, Baiju's launched a rights issue to raise
2: funds. How does that fit into this picture? Now, that's an interesting turn of events amidst the turmoil. Despite having its valuation significantly reduced from $22 billion to about $25 million, Baiju's launched a rights issue aiming to raise approximately $200 million. Ravindran has called this move overwhelmingly successful, suggesting investor confidence might still be high despite recent challenges. It poses an intriguing contradiction, financial challenges on one hand, but claims strong investor interest on the other. There seems to be also a dispute over how this saga is being portrayed publicly. Indeed, Jonathan, amidst these boardroom battles, there's also a war of narratives playing out in public view. Ravindran accused minority shareholders of spreading misinformation through media channels, but insisted Baiju's would not engage in a media war to counter these claims. This tactic spotlights another layer in their strategy, controlling public perception without directly confronting the accusations in a highly public forum. With all these moving parts, what could be the broader implications for Baiju's future? Uh, The situation at Baiju's could serve as a cautionary Uh, tale for for startups about governance and investor relations importance, and especially in high stakes environments like EdTech, where rapid growth often precedes stringent financial scrutiny. How Baiju's navigates through these challenges could significantly impact uh, its operational stability and industry position moving forward.
1: Fascinating insights as always, Scott. Thanks for joining us today.
2: My pleasure, Jonathan. Always glad to delve into these complex stories with you.
1: And that's The Daily Dispatch for Sunday, February 25th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin.
0: And I'm Steve Onsker.
1: Thank you for listening, Sam. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod Entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.